Jesus said, How then should the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? All this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. In the name of Jesus. Once again, the way to Calvary is littered with the refuse of broken commandments. Calvary is the dump where each of our trashing of God's holy Ten Commands goes. An unpleasing aroma, a stench to God. Closer and closer, Jesus goes to his cross, to his death. There he gave himself up for us, a pleasing, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, as Paul says. As he goes to his death, death is all around him. But not just any death. Murder. They show up with clubs. He would soon be beaten. They show up with swords. Nails, spears shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. And then there's, of course, Peter chopping off the ear of the priest's servant. His name was Malchus. Jesus comes to bear the brunt of our murdering. And all the violence falls under the fifth commandment. We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. But even as Jesus heals the servant's ear, telling Peter to knock it off, Jesus says... All who take the sword will perish by the sword. So don't own a sword. Don't be violent toward others. Don't physically hurt them. And easy enough, so we think. It's only easy enough when we ignore the rest of the Bible or when we are purposely ignorant of it by our lack of use. Third commandment problem. Uh, See, an issue with one commandment brings the other nine to bear on you and your actions. Anyway, Christ our Lord says earlier in Matthew, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Christ says this to show us that the commandment involves not just murder or hurting somebody or not helping them in time of need. You shall not murder involves also the source of that murder. Anger and hatred. The chief priests and elders of the people hated Jesus. This blossomed into their plot to kill him. The world is an angry place, after all. Anger, hatred, bitterness, resentment, grudges, bad blood, feuds. That's the news. That's so-called social media. That's politics. That's 
all public discourse right now. Out of malice, people betraying one another and being betrayed. But this is not just a worldly problem. It's a you problem. Remember, the Lord directs his you shalls at each and every human being. But you cannot dodge a you with but they. Be angry and do not sin, the psalmist says, which means do not let the sun go down on your anger. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, as Paul says. Be reconciled, Jesus says in Matthew 5 when teaching the fifth commandment. Paul also warns in Galatians that enmity, strife, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions are the works of the flesh. And that those who continually do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Maybe you have been uniquely blessed not to have such anger and resentment or estrangement or grudges pollute your daily life. But if we're honest with ourselves and before the Lord God about what he commands in the fifth commandment, we will recognize that our lives are often littered with broken relationships ablaze with our own anger and resentment. Your frustration morphed into dislike, and your dislike spoiled into anger. Anger festered into hatred, hatred rotted into malice, malice decayed into a grudge. All this and each step along the way is nothing but murder in your own heart. And being wronged is no excuse. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, James says. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. As Paul says. So let us now rejoice, then, in the glorious words of Jesus. Those words that I quoted uh, and are the focus for, the, for this sermon. They are glorious words. Whenever Jesus speaks them throughout his ministry, he says them often. And how much more this last time he says them before his crucifixion. Where he is silent from here on out, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each in their own way, take up the refrain. This was to fulfill. Thus it was written, and so on. Tonight, Jesus says, How then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? All this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. We don't need him to just say these words. We need him to do these words for us and for all. There's certainly no corner of the globe and sometimes no room in our own heart that isn't spoiled by smoldering anger. Anger or malice that even masquerades as apathy or an uncaring attitude towards someone. 
So it is, Jesus' words bring comfort then and joy in his saying and doing of these words fulfilled. I came not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them, Jesus says in Matthew 5. And he fulfills not just his prophesied and promised death and resurrection, but also the doing of the law and the prophets in your place. He cherished the fifth commandment in your stead, a cherishing exemplified by his healing of the servant's ear. He helped the physical need of his enemy. Peter tells us when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. When they struck him on the right cheek, he offered them his left. And his righteousness is credited to your account. Such balance transfer received by faith. Jesus upholds the law for you, but he also pays for the righteous requirement of the law that it must be done completely or else death. This requirement he set aside with his own death, nailing it to the cross. It must be so, Jesus says. It must be that Christ is murdered for your murder, also murdered for your being murdered by others. Again, it's not just actual murder, but all the various ways we hate ourselves and one another, all the ways we hurt and harm one another, all the ways we abuse our bodies, all the ways we abuse others, all of it swallowed up in his death on the cross for you. And now, now there is no sin that counts against you. There is no grudge, no bad blood between you and God through the blood of his only begotten Son. The grudge or history or whatever you want to call it between you and, well, you know who, is all covered by the blood of Jesus. Do you believe it? Sins are on him. He is the Lamb of God that, you, that bore your wrongs against others and their wrongs against you. He carried them to Calvary, shed his blood for them, died for them, carried them into his grave, and there they stayed, for he was raised for our justification. Justification is the declaration that you are innocent of all charges, no longer locked up in your loathing, but free in Christ's forgiveness for you and for all. Pray that you would not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So it was the night of Jesus' betrayal, so it is in your daily life too. 
The Holy Spirit would work forgiveness and love through you. But our flesh wants its pound of flesh. That person needs to pay for what they've done. That's old Adam religion and relationships in a nutshell. So we pray all the more earnestly, the Our Father, as Jesus did at Gethsemane twice, Thy will be done. God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of our sinful nature, which doesn't want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. Such hallowing comes when we, as the children of God, lead holy lives according to his word. And that holy life is baptismally yours. For there at holy baptism you got his Holy Spirit, so that by the Spirit's grace we believe his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. But not just third petition. Fifth, forgive us as we forgive. In and through the forgiveness of all your sins, we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. And Jesus answers this fifth petition for you and through you too. For Paul says, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. United together in the one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Or as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the cup of blessing that we bless is a communion of the blood of Christ. The bread that we break is a communion of the body of Christ. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. One together in Jesus' body and blood. One together in the forgiveness of sins. Be reconciled. In Christ, we already are. For he has already fulfilled the scriptures. He has done the law for you. He has died and is now risen. And he unites us together as the forgiven, the baptized. And he bodies and bloods us together in that forgiveness at his supper. In the name of Jesus.